are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. And so tonight, we're bringing someone to you who knows what they're talking about, and I believe that she has something to share. So it's our honor to bring Sister Leah Lee. Would you please welcome her to the Calvary Church this evening? Praise God. All right. Tonight, I do have a message for you, and I'm going to entitle my message today, Who is a Disciple? Well, how often do you hear people ask this question? You know, when you want to know, to know about their religious background, you know, you kind of met a long-lost friend, and you bump into them in a, on the street, and, you know, everything inside of you want to ask, so uh, are you a Christian now? Are you living for God? Many times we're asking the question, right? But we were hardly or never ever asking this question. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? That would be weird. Think about it. If you meet a long-lost friend on the street and, and you wanted to know whether they're going to church, you wouldn't ask that, are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? They would be thinking, huh? Say that again? <laughs> but when we ask them this question, are you a Christian? Many times they will say yes. And then you will have the next question to ask them is, so what denomination are you from? But the truth is, at the beginning, there is only one kind of Christian. But these days, when you call yourself a Christian, it can mean many things. So it could mean, are you a carnal Christian? <laughs> or are you a Christian 80s? Or are you a spirit-filled Christian? There's, there's many meanings to that Christian. You know, in Singapore, we have a few mega churches. So being a Christian doesn't really mean a lot to them because I don't see a difference in their lifestyle. They don't stand apart. I, I, I can't tell apart whether they are um, part of the church or not. So it's tricky, you know, to, to ask that question. But let's take a look again at this word, disciple. And I want you to turn to your Bible in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Okay. All right. Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what's that name? All right, great. Now we are on the same page. <laughs> teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, I underline the word, the phrase called, go therefore and make disciples. Make disciples, not make Christians, but make disciples. And we're going to take a deeper look at this term, disciple, tonight. 
Hopefully, at the end of the service, there is a paradigm shift in your mindset of what a disciple is. In the Word of God, a disciple is used more than 250 times. Christian is only used about three times in the Bible. Okay? So I realize that many may call themselves Christian, but they may not be a disciple. A disciple is not just a person who has been born again. Someone who claims to have a, to be a Christian for a long time. Someone who attends church services and programs, or just any good and moral person who acknowledges Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's not somebody that knows the Bible very well, too. It's not someone that is in full time ministry. I always tell our young people don't hide behind your ministry because your ministry is not going to save you. But a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will save you. Don't hide behind your ministry and get in, into the busy work of ministry and neglect your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So a disciple might not be a person who is very charismatic with a very supernatural ministry. So we thought, that, wow, this might, be, this might be a very super, super disciple. Don't be deceived. In these last days, there are false teachers and false prophet, prophets. So all these things may be good, but they do not necessarily equate to discipleship. So, next slide. Today's church is not in need of Christians, but in desperate need of true disciples. And we need to go back to the original pattern that Jesus set for us. Amen? So who is a disciple? A definition enables us to evaluate if we are disciples and help others to understand what it means to be a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you five minutes, okay, because my style of teaching is pretty interactive. So you're going to get involved here too. Because the... The scripture tells us that we are not to be just hearer of the word, but to be doers of the word. And I need to do some work tonight. So, very good. I have seen some young people with some notebook and pen writing stuff down. Great. If you have a pen, take it out. If not, you can use your smartphone. Whatever that works. <laughs> okay. I want you to write down. I give you five minutes to do that. I want you to write down a definition for what a disciple means to you without referring to your Bible. <laughs> Just think about it. What is your definition of a disciple? Well, at the end of this service, I hope that you can do a comparison with mine and yours. And then it will be a great evaluation where you're at. But um, I think that this definition could be found in a scripture that I'm going to read to you. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 19, and he says this, Jesus said this, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the word of Jesus 
And I want you to think about those words that we just read. Jesus' word says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So now, for the next activity I need you to do, I want you to explain Jesus' words in your own words. What does that mean to you? When he say, follow me, what does a disciple do? And when he say, I will make you, what does a disciple would do? And the fish is a man. What does it mean as a disciple? I'm going to give you a few minutes to write that down too. You didn't expect this right tonight? You thought it would be some powerful preaching and just... <laughs> I want you to think. Because at the end of the day, you've got to own this. I can speak all I want to speak. I can preach or teach until I'm blue in the face. But if you don't own this walk, it's not going to work. So I'm, I'm making you work tonight. All right? A few more minutes. Think about it. Don't worry, there's no right and wrong answers. We all have different angles, different perspectives, how you look at this. It's okay, just write down what you think. Most of you are done? Who need more time? You want to put your hand? Wow. That's great. You guys are fast thinkers. Like Singaporeans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look again at Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Follow me. If you can turn to the next slide. A disciple knows and follows Christ. Because this is how it works. This is what follows means. Jesus is leading and we are following. Correct? So if we follow Christ, we must come under his authority and direction. We must submit to his leadership and lordship. I cannot trust and follow someone that I do not know. So this is the first part of the definition, you've got to know who Christ is. You've got to know who he is. And once you know who he is, then you can follow him. Amen. Amen? And when we follow him, he transforms us into a new person to be more like him. And that's when he will make us. A disciple is being changed by Christ. We are changed as we stay in relationship with him through Bible study, through prayer, through fellowship, and other disciplines and life experiences. We know that this is a journey with God. You don't arrive right away. 
but it's a journey and it comes with all packages, ups and downs and good times and bad times. But it is Him that transforms us and changes us. Amen? So fishers of men are those who work to fulfill Christ's command to make disciples of all nations. Amen. So this tells us that being a fisher of men is a disciple that is committed to the mission of Christ. Amen. So let me ask you how you're doing today, looking at this definition. Pastors, how is your church doing? You know, if you are a pastor, you are not making disciples just because a group of people come to hear you preach God's word every Sunday or a midweek service. We cannot change the definition of discipleship to just sitting down and listening to a bunch of sermons and then expect to make disciples as Jesus did. We got to have a paradigm shift tonight. So who is a disciple? Next slide. Discipleship involves a head level change first. It starts from there. A disciple, he or she makes a decision to follow Christ, but knowing who Jesus is, is just the first part of that definition. To be a disciple means that we, what we know has to move into our hearts. What we know causes change in our character when we internalize the truth. So discipleship involves a heart level change. A disciple is being changed by Christ, changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not just merely behavioral modification. But it is a supernatural transformation that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. We all know that when we first receive the Holy Spirit, something changes in our hearts. Do you still remember that day when you got the Holy Ghost? Can you put up your hand if you still remember vividly what happened that day to you? Something changes within you. It's more than just a behavior modification. But it's a supernatural power that comes from above to do what you cannot do on your own. Amen. He changes our hearts, which means our attitudes and our priorities will begin to shift. Jesus said that we would know a tree by its fruits. This kind of change is evidenced by a love for God and others, which compel us out into the harvest field to be his laborers. This is when discipleship resulted in a hand-level change. We become committed to save people from their sin. Now, our hands are for His service. That is why we can answer the call by saying, Here am I! Send me. So can you see the definition of a disciple? You got to have a hate level change here. Your belief system got to change and adjust to where He becomes your Lord and your God. And when he becomes your Lord and your God, you will start to follow him. And when you follow him, you get into a relationship with him. And then he will change you step by step, bit by bit. I didn't arrive like this overnight. And I'm going to show you an evidence later. 
that you took me a process to be where I am today. And then from the heart, that's why it's, it, people don't get puffed up by knowledge. Because knowledge can puff you up. But this knowledge got to transfer into your heart. Because when you internalize the truth, then you will see and result, a result of a change of attitude and priority. And that's when you start to give yourself away for His service. Amen? So again, what is the difference between a new convert and a disciple? We all begin our journey as new converts. A convert is a person who recognizes sin in his or her life and subsequently responds to the gospel by being born again, according to Acts 2.38. The journey begins with faith and obedience, but does not end there. A disciple then takes a step beyond his or her conversion in Christ. You've got to move forward. A disciple is one who embraces and obeys all the teaching of Christ by his word Indeed, to make more disciples. Disciples then continue in the journey of pursuing after God. It never ends. It never ends until you meet Him face to face. And that day is coming soon, my people. He is coming back for His church. So we obey Him and we walk in His ways. And being a disciple requires a commitment to God and a lifestyle of obedience in following Him. Amen. So the standard set by Jesus for being a true disciple does not evolve with time. It does not evolve. But sadly, 2,000 years later, we see a great falling away from the original standard and pattern. We do. People have watered down what a disciple means. So again, we need to know the difference between a convert and a disciple. And discipleship is a growing process. Discipleship is a process whereby God continually imparts revelation and understanding when we are in a relationship with Him. And I'm going to tell you the journey that I walked. I'm going to share my life story with you tonight. Is it okay? This is my journey. Next slide. The process from a convert to a disciple. That's not my brother. That's me. At the age of 16. I was a mess up kid. Bad shape. How many of you are 16 here tonight? Wow. A few of you. Time flies. <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to say old in front of Bishop. <laughs> but it's been a while. <laughs> I was 16 and, and I was messed up. I was so messed up in my identity that I even wanted, I contemplated to have a surgery to change my gender. It was bad because I was messed up here. Lost. I backslidden. I knew God when I was nine years old. I walked away from him. And when I was at a desperate moment, I knew that I got to go back to the God that I knew when I was nine years old. Because I don't think I can live a life without Him. So when I started going to church, I started getting myself in a Bible study, and that's when my hair grew a bit longer. 
in the second picture. I was in a Bible study, and Sister Jenny was the, my Bible study teacher. And she taught me and grounded me in the truth. And I started to love myself as a woman. And slowly, God changed me, changed my mindset. All the lies that I used to believe, God has used his word and his truth to sanctify me and help me grow in my relationship with him. That's why I tell you, religion is not, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Let me tell you this. It is easier to be religious than to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you think so? Because if you want to be religious, you just need to turn up for service, as you should, on a Sunday or a midweek service, put on your dress, best clothes, spray some perfume if you want to smell good, and act for two hours. Put on your best behavior. Pay your dues. Pay your tithes and offerings on a Sunday and think that you're a good Christian. That's being religious. But being in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ involves a 24-7 lifestyle change. That means from Monday to Saturday, even though when I'm not in a church, I know that the Lord is looking at me and He's watching over me. And because of that, because I'm in a relationship with Him, I want to make sure that I do what pleases Him. That's in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what I have to learn when I was younger. And spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. I hope you know that. It has to do with what is learned and what is being internalized. So he's going to help you learn that. Because he wants you to develop the character of Christ. Amen. So when I look at the lost girl in that picture, I wonder what God sees in her. It blows my mind that God would think that I could ever do anything for him, not looking back. <laughs> Where I am today, I would never imagine traveling to America. You know, I, it was funny, I, we were in Tennessee and I kind of understood what Hugh Billy means. <laughs> Because I used to remember Bishop Willoughby always quote that. He said, I'm the hillbillies from Tennessee. That God would chose me to come to Singapore. <laughs> and I will say to you, I'm not, I'm not sure whether I'm using the right term, but I will say that I'm also the hillbilly from Singapore. <laughs> I was a nobody. I came from a poor family. I'm, I mean, there's nothing great if you look at my family that God would chose me. But God has a different perspective when he found me. And that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 28 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and are the base things of the world 
and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And when I read this scripture, I could apply it so beautifully because God chose me. Even if I have to be a fool to be used of God, I will do so. God has a plan for your life. Don't ever despise where you come from. Because when God sees you, it's from a different perspective. Amen. So aren't you glad you are today in this house? Because when you are in the house of the Lord, you can be a world changer. So Jesus doesn't just change my dressing. He changed, he changed the fabric of my being. Amen. You see that lady with the long hair? It's who I have embraced. And I finally understood there is a purpose why I am saved and changed. Because it is not just for me to be saved. There is a greater purpose. There is a greater purpose. And when I started coming to church, and I kind of met a fine young man at that time, I never thought that he would have his eyes on me. Because I was a tomboy when I first came to church. <laughs> but I guess Bishop Willoughby put in some good words for me. <laughs> well, I remember what Bishop Willoughby told him. He said, that, be patient, young man. She is like a flower slowly blooming. <laughs> so I guess he took take heed of Bishop's advice and <laughs> and then it is history. We got married. We got married and then the Lord added to our family four beautiful children. Can we can we see the next slide? From a tomboy, from a nobody, God gave me a beautiful family with four beautiful children. It's been a while since, and now they have all grown up. Next slide. Now my oldest is already 25. My second daughter is 23. My third son is 20, and my youngest son, who is right now in America with us, he's 18. He's the drama of the church. God has used him in a special way. But God has given me a beautiful family, and I call this my first church. I call this my first church. And you're wondering, you see you have four children, one, two, three, four, five. Hey, there's five people there. Well, Sean, that's standing next to my husband, is a fine young man that my daughter has married last year. A fine young man. But I, didn't, I don't have the time to tell you the whole journey with my oldest daughter. It has been seven long years that I have waited for this day to happen. She has backslidden when she was 18. It's been a long journey for me and my husband. You, nights, sleepless nights, Bishop, no. We have called him for counseling many nights and it was a struggle for us. It was so painful because she will be the last person that I thought would ever walk away from God. But life is such, isn't it? Because it's all about choices. God gave us a free will. He doesn't force us to do anything. So when the door walked away from God, we pray and we cry. And many, 
nights that's sleepless because waiting for her to come back. She left home for a month and we were so worried for her. But thank the Lord. If you are a parent here and your children has walked away from God, don't you ever give up. Don't you ever give up. Because the Lord knows and his time is perfect. And when the time was right, Adora came back. And when she came back, she did not come back alone. She brought another soul back with her to the church. And that was that young man right there, Sean. He got baptized in Jesus' name. That picture there was the day of his baptism. He got baptized in Jesus' name and he got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. And that's not the end of the story. Listen to me. Sean has a brother. And Sean's brother, youngest brother is named Stanley. I want you to turn to the next slide. Stanley fell in love with us. Sean's brother. He loves my food. <laughs> he loves to come to our house to eat. That's Stanley. And soon, he got into a Bible study. He's only like 16 years old. And he got into a Bible study and decided to say, I want to get baptized in Jesus' name too. And not only that, mom that's standing next to Stanley and the sister is now in a Bible study with me. And the beautiful part of this is Sean and Adora, they are my helper in my Bible study. They are trained to be the next Bible study teacher. Who would ever imagine that this day would ever happen? But God has a bigger plan. We only see our problem right before us, but God sees beyond. We got to see through the eyes of faith what things can be. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But this is what discipleship looks like. If we would follow God. Amen. Follow his leading. The process of disciple making is not just locally, but globally. Like what I say, God has a bigger plan, bigger than you. What you can see right now. Because right now what you can see is just America. But there's a bigger world out there who needs God, who needs Jesus. So I'm going to tell you the next disciple maker making journey that I have. This picture here, the guy on the extreme left, it's my brother. Doesn't really look like, look like me, right? <laughs> He's my younger brother, five years apart. He married a Vietnamese a couple of years back. And they both have been baptized in Jesus' name. They got the Holy Ghost. One day, my sister-in-law's mom decided to pay a visit. So she came to Singapore for a month. And when she came to Singapore, I told myself, this is a soul who needs to know Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you meet. I hope you don't go into segregation of who you want to be saved. Because every, everybody matters to God. We are all creation of the Lord. And we need to see them as how the Lord sees them. And when I saw that, that auntie, I call her Auntie Hong. 
She's from Vietnam. I couldn't speak her language and she couldn't speak my language. So it's like a chicken and a duck trying to talk. Really? I couldn't speak, and, but I was desperate. I was desperate. I said, God, she needs to hear the gospel. And by the goodwill of the Lord, we happen to have a Vietnamese in our church who is also a, a babe in Christ, who has never taught a Bible study. Bishop, you have seen her, Sister Annie. She has never taught a Bible study, but because of, out of that desperation, I said, Sister Annie, I need your help. I cannot speak Vietnamese, but this lady needs a Bible study. And I, and I ask her, would you help me out? And you know what? And she's like, uh, but, but, uh, I, I, I can't. I've never done it. And I told her, Sister Annie, the need is the call. I need you to help me now. I got one month to go, and I can't miss this chance. Because who knows what's going to happen if I'm going to see her again. So she took the challenge. It's a funny thing. I even have to show her how to use the Vietnamese Bible, you know, on you version. I have to flip. I hardly can even read the, the, the language. And I'm trying to guess, oh, this must be John, the book of John. Okay, let's go. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a miracle that she even agreed to teach her Bible study. And the good news is this. She finished a short six weeks Bible study with her or six lessons Bible study with her. And she decided to get baptized in Jesus' name. This picture here is the day when she got baptized in Jesus' name. And she got the Holy Ghost. She got the Holy Ghost. So the time came when she has to go back to Vietnam. She stays in a, in a place called Kung Tho. In Kung Tho, Vietnam, there is no apostolic church there. She was trying to find a church that she can go to. So she found herself a church that's the closest to us in, in terms of their worship. And it's a spirit-filled Baptist church. <laughs> so she went there, attended for a while. And then she told the youth pastor over there, she, she happened to have a conversation with the youth pastor, and she said this, you know what? Your church is good, but not as great as the one in Singapore. So this youth pastor becomes so curious. Oh, really? There's a church that's better than us? And I think he got him curious. So he decided to come and pay us a visit. He happened to attend a conference in Singapore. So yet at the same time, he said, I'm going to come and visit your church. And guess what? It was no ordinary service that day. It was a Pentecost Sunday service. <laughs> of all Sunday, it has to be a Pentecost Sunday service. So he came to the service and he was blown away by our worship. He was blown away by our community. He was so impressed with what he felt and see in, in that service. He came to us and said that, I love what I feel here. Can you come to my church and teach us how to have this atmosphere? It's amazing how God works. All I did was just trying to minister to a, a lady who I can't even speak her language trying to meet her need, but God has a bigger plan. So, what we did, we accept the offer, and here we go. We're on the way to Vietnam. We took with us our son, Abby and Jabez, with us, and we took another youth leader to connect with the family there. Next picture. We went there, 
in November 2017, and we conducted a one-week workshop in that Baptist church, and God gave us so much favor with them. So much favor and miracles and signs that confirmed that we were sent by God to help them. See, God knows how to pave the way. We don't have to try to prove it so much and try so hard to prove that God is real, that God is with us. God will make way where there seems to be no way. And, and because we, we had a chance to meet the family, the youth past, the young pastor that lead us there, we get to see his father, who is a senior pastor of another church. And we get to see his grandfather, who has, a, he has an important role to build a church there too. So we get to see a few generations of that pastor. So God make a way for us to invite them for a conference in Singapore. So weeks after we left, we told him, that, hey, you know what? We have a conference next year, January. Um, do you want to come? And they all were very excited because they want to learn more. They know that we have the stuff that will help them. So they decided to come to Singapore. And when they came, there was a group of them that came down. You know, we zip our mouth. They, 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 they didn't really know that we are the oneness people. If, I, if we would have told them in the, in the beginning, it would have freaked them out and said that we are cut and that's it. Cut ties and goodbye. <laughs> but because... The Lord gave us so much favor and we built such a strong friendship with them. They trust us. They trust us. And trust is an important thing for the Vietnamese. So when they came to Singapore, they were open to what we have to offer. Because now we think, we, are, we, we, we thought to ourselves, hey, now they are in our turf. Now we can sh- review who we are. <laughs> so we had a session. Me and me, my husband, and a few other, we sat them down. We taught them oneness. We taught them baptism in Jesus' name. And guess what? Next slide. Seven of them, seven of them got rebaptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And among them is a senior pastor and his wife. Senior pastor and his wife. You know, God is doing a quick and great work in these last days. It is good to convert a sinner, but it is greater to convert a pastor. Because when you convert a pastor, you get the whole church. (laughs) And the good news is this, you know what? I want you to pray for Pastor Kim. He's facing a lot of persecution from the Baptist organization they gave him a hard time when he went back to Singapore and trying to brainwash him back into the Trinity doctrine again. But he was firm because he saw it, it was a personal revelation of the oneness of God. He went to seek the Lord for 40 days and the Lord revealed to himself personally. And he's convinced that apostolic truth is the way to go. And baptism in Jesus' name is crucial and important. And he sent us a picture just a couple of months ago. Next slide. And he is still baptizing his saints. 56 of his saints in Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So what I'm telling you is that God is wanting to do a quick work in these last days. You don't want to box God up. You need to get out of your comfort zone and let God lead you where he wants to lead you. 
He wants to lead you to a man and a woman of peace that wants this. Because I've never met a pastor like Pastor Kim. He was humble. I mean, he's in his 50s. He could have told us that, you know, we know more than you do. And, and, and he is trained in a, uh, in a Bible school. So he knows a lot of scripture and doctrine, but he was willing to learn. He was humble and he was hungry for truth. And the truth will only work for those that are hungry and thirsty. And God will lead them to you and lead you to them. So I'm asking you today, are you a disciple that's willing to be led of the Holy Ghost? Don't be settle for a religious one. Don't settle for that, young people. I'm, I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to challenge you. Don't stay in your comfort zone. There's a world out there that God is wanting to reach and He's looking for hands and feet. Laborers in His harvest field. Don't get too comfortable in your place, but ask tonight, what do I need to do to get out of my comfort zone? So my question to you tonight is, what does a disciple look like? A disciple is a learner, is a student, an apprentice, a pentris, a pent, sorry, apprentice. Got tongue twisted there. A disciple of the New Testament were often spoken of as imitators of their teachers. He or she who has a desire to be like their master. So true discipleship is more than just learning, but it's always leading to a changed lifestyle that corresponds to the teaching that has been received. So that's why I'm trying to challenge you tonight. Do not be hearer of the word, but be doers of the word. So a disciple is someone who wants to order his or her life in such a way that will help establish God's kingdom on earth. They are passionate about achieving their destiny and they will do all things in order to realign their priorities to his priorities. Disciples are made through personal relationship with others and letting others into your life. We cannot separate the call of discipleship from the call of your own family and community because Jesus often correct and rebuke his disciples for their own growth and development. So if you want to grow, you got to get out. Get out. Be involved in community. Be involved in the harvest field. Amen? So tonight, my question to you, I'm going to throw the ball back to you because you got to own this. you got to ask yourself this question tonight. Am I a disciple? Am I a disciple? You are not just a saint or a member of the Calvary Church. You are not just that. You're not a disciple of the Calvary Church. You are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back, go back, go back, go back to the original pattern that Jesus has set. And are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow him? That means following him according to the, his terms and not your terms. We all have our own terms of how we want to be used of God. But do you know that it doesn't come with your terms? It comes with his terms. So we got to align ourselves to his will. Are you willing to pay the price? 
Am I making disciples? Look around today. Is there anybody that's in this church that you have brought in to be a part of the family of God? If not, I pray that tonight there will be an urgency. Because the day that you're going to go to heaven, you cannot bring your beautiful car. You're not going to bring your bank with you. You're not going to bring your possession that's on this earth. The only thing that you can bring to heaven are souls. Are souls. So what are you building today? What kind of treasure are you building on this earth? Am I making disciples? Are you seeing fruits of your discipleship? That's what I'm asking you. Because the scripture tells us that those trees that do not bear fruit, Jesus will cut it off and burn it. I want to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful. I want to be able to say that when I meet the Lord Jesus Christ on that day, I'm going to hear the sweet words from Jesus' mouth saying, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that from Jesus? Don't you want to hear that from the Lord Jesus Christ? That will be the sweetest thing that you can ever hear. When you have done well, when you have done what he has called you to do on this earth. And my last question to you is, are my disciples making disciples? That's when you know that you are reproducing. Because healthy disciples will reproduce. Are you, are your disciples making disciples? And this, I want you to stand at this moment. I know that I'm chewing to you a lot of questions, but... I want you to own this. Nobody can walk your journey. And I told my children this too. My faith came from the journey that I walked with God. I had to fight the good fight of faith to be where I am today. My children cannot depend on my faith. They got to create and develop their own walk with God. And you young people, you got to do so. I do not know how many of you grew up in the church because you came to church because your parents brought you to church. I don't know what your condition is like. But you got to develop your own world with God. you got to have your own stories to tell, your own testimonies that you can share. But you got to own it. you got to own it. Tonight, I'm going to open the altar call to you. If you want to rededicate your life and commitment to the Lord, remember... You, gotta have, you have hate knowledge, but hate knowledge got to come to your heart. Once you internalize this truth, it changes you and your priority change and you become the hands and feet for Jesus. So I want to invite you to come tonight. I want you to come tonight. I want you to re-look at your life. And your priorities tonight. Am I lining up to what Jesus said? Is a true disciple. Be true to yourself. Jesus, I pray. I pray for everyone that's in this house tonight. God, you know where we are at, Lord. And I pray that we will take a deeper look at our heart tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will come and cause a change in our hearts Lord because you are the one that will change us Lord 
I cannot change myself, but it is you that is able to transform and renew us, God. So I pray for every one that's in this house tonight, that they will make a decision to step out of their comfort zone and, and see beyond themselves, to see that there's a lost world out there who needs to hear the gospel, who needs to know you, God, and to get into a relationship with you, Lord. So I pray right now, Jesus, that you will come, Lord. Come in a special way. Come in a mighty way. Lord, we want to have a personal encounter with you. We are not satisfied. We are not satisfied where we are at. But I need, I need, I need an encounter with you. A true encounter with you, Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.